0: Welcome to the One Pres Pod, a ministry of First Presbyterian Church. This month on the podcast, we are studying Kate Bowler's book, Everything Happens for a Reason and Other Lives I've Loved. Listen in on conversations with faith leaders, healthcare leaders, as we discuss where is God and what do I do now when indeed everything happens. Hey there, everyone. It's Reverend Tasha Blackburn with the OnePres Pod. And as promised last week, I'm here with a special guest. Uh, with Father Mike Lager of St. John's Episcopal Church, just down the street from here, Mike, what, five, six blocks?
1: Yeah, or just neighbors. Hello there, Mike. Hey, how are you?
0: And you have been the priest at uh, St. John's for 12 years, yeah, right?
1: 12 and a half now.
0: Yeah. Oh my gosh. And just to uh, get the elephant in the room out of the way, uh, Mike, it's just become knowledge that you're going to be moving to Ohio, back yeah, to Ohio, right? That is right? true, I know. so
1: our neighborliness will be a little um, farther distance. It'll be
0: a little further yeah. distance. We will zoom, Mike. Okay, we that will sounds zoom. good. We'll do it all. So I'm so glad. Thank you okay. for coming and having a conversation you. today around this topic of, of really easy topics. Ha ha. Right. Lightweight, <laughs> you know, frothy, all those things. But would you start, introduce yourself a little, okay. a little bit of your background. Tell us what what you can about us. Okay, that sounds About cool. you.
1: Well, I, I've been a Christian all of my life, but I was raised in the Pentecostal tradition and the charismatic tradition. Mm. And I found the Episcopal Church as an adult. Mm. And so I spent five years as an Assembly of God preacher, pastor, mm-hmm. youth minister and before becoming an Episcopal priest. And so I spent quite a bit of my life in the world that you all are reading about.
0: Yes, (laughs) I I live. You don't have to read about it. No, I live this stuff. So how old were you when you were the Assembly of God preacher and youth person?
1: Yeah, I went to the Assembly of God Theological Seminary and started working as a youth minister and it was when I was 27 that I finally had my teenage crisis of faith, because fundamentalism does not allow any doubt. Yeah. And I finally gave myself permission, and it was 30 when I was confirmed in the Episcopal Church.
0: Interesting. Yes. Interesting. Well, I wanted to talk to you. I thought you'd be such a good conversation partner today because of that, and also because of your role as a priest and doing pastoral ministry. Right. Um, A lot of what is happening in Kate Bowler's book, which is sort of giving us our themes for the month. We don't have to have read it, but is giving us our themes. A lot of what's happening is she's realizing with this early adult uh, cancer diagnosis that these things she believed about her life, you know, that they were all gonna hold, right? She was, she didn't even realize it at the time, but she had her own form of a prosperity gospel. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to ask you, about your history working with people when that has failed them as well? Sure, sure.
1: Well, faith helps form our worldview. And yeah. so we look out at the world through the lens of our faith. Yeah. And Pentecostalism, um, the prosperity gospel, charismatics have a particular lens they look through. Mm-hmm. And when they do, their theology informs what they see and how the world is supposed to act. Mm-hmm. and how they are supposed to act in it. And um, that's just that comes with mainline Christians as well. Mm-hmm. We all have a certain worldview and we look at the world through our faith eyes. Mm-hmm. And um, it's a very particular form uh, of mm-hmm. worldview that they hold which comes out of a very literal reading of scripture. So they're fundamentalist. And that allows them to pick one Bible verse out of its context And to be able to read into it what they would like to read, but it's in the Bible. Mm -hmm. And so that helps form things in their thinking of what the Bible is about and what God is about.
0: Well, okay. And as we're on that topic specifically of prosperity gospel in its forms, I mentioned I did a little teaser of of this month we have together on this topic uh, last week. And I said, you know, that prosperity gospel, the idea of it really kind of started in the 50s in pentecostalism and in the charismatic movement really uh got a larger audience with televangelists in the 80s and then has now moved into kind of the prayer of jabez 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 Uh and joel osteen what what part of that's wrong okay what can you add to some of that so that we know more about okay what this even is right the bible belt
1: that we're a part of is in the heart of what's going on in this movement, in this theology. Um, Tulsa, Oklahoma is a hotbed of this and the theology that comes out of it. Really? Yes, really, really. Ah. So I'm going to take you back just a little bit. The fundamentalist movement read scripture very literally and it came out of the poor. And so early on, Mm -hmm. prosperity gospel is not a part of this Pentecostal charismatic movement. Um, that came later, and we have to thank the mainline for that. Norman Vincent Peel. You're power. welcome. Yes, now, <laughs> the power of positive thinking. Oh, yes, I it remember. Was, it was yes. the wealthy in the 1950s that did the self-help uh, application to the gospel okay and so when you're not the poor that jesus is talking about you have to have some way of finding yourself in scripture yeah and so the main line found a great voice in the self-help movement of norman vincent peel and later on robert schuler okay um, and so that is really where it came out of and then out of that teaching came the prosperity gospel because those who were poor and part of the Pentecostal world began to move up the economic ladder and they began to grab on not just to the rapture and get us out of here but that you can actually climb the economic ladder and so the Norman Vincent Peale power positive thinking line took its own uh, flavor in the Pentecostals the healing movement of oral roberts Mm
0: -hmm. and then Mm -hmm. uh
1: hagen is the biggest voice of the faith movement and then now you might know kenneth copeland
0: Mm -hmm. who now
1: carries that banner um and then the heart of that theology is if you ask for anything in my name i will do it and that initially came out of healing where oral roberts would say god will heal because um he's promised to um you were wounded for, my, for our transgressions. You were bruised for our iniquity. So in their um, atonement thinking uh, or understanding of the cross, they saw healing. Mm-hmm. And so those were all the little re- uh, items in the recipe that got mixed into the mix mm-hmm. as they were moving up the economic ladder. And then it was pretty easy to mix in into the fundamentalism. Just pick out the scriptures you want that God is going to do good things for you like heal you. But now it becomes God will let you climb the ladder as well. And so it's a very powerful uh, line of thinking for those who are coming up out of poverty.
0: Well, yeah, as I'm, I'm listening, thank you. And I'm, I'm hearing that and I'm thinking it sounds pretty good. Yes. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I'm kind of all for it. So it I guess, so what's wrong with it?
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: i don't mean that right. figuratively right. What what is wrong with it
1: it's it's pretty good for the and, and peel got it pretty right is if you have positive thoughts and you know how your economic system works um you can succeed most of the time and yeah. so that's that just is human nature so they're tapping into just the principles of human nature in, in our world democracy um, if you are white if you are a male especially you can move up the economic ladder. I'm
0: looking at you, Mike. Yes, that's me. I'm very white. (laughs) I'm very male.
1: And these are all ways that you you move up in our society. Yeah. And uh, in that tradition, Women are much more supportive and submissive. Yeah. And so Don't look at me, Mike. Right. See, let's so, not trade yeah, it. Yeah. Now. So a woman's <laughs> job is to support the man. Yeah. So there's an appeal for the woman in this theology as well because they get to believe, take care of their man mm-hmm. as they're moving up the economic ladder of the 50s and the 60s. And so you, have, you just have a, a wonderful recipe for American religion. Mm -hmm. That's just very uniquely American. um, So what's the
0: downside?
1: The downside is probably when things don't go well. Yeah, Yeah, you don't really have a net under that because it's so preached. If you believe hard enough, God will do it. So when something doesn't work out, it must mean I didn't believe enough. Mm -hmm. I didn't have enough Mm -hmm. faith. And there's a lot of self-condemnation that comes on people. Um, whether it's um, just strokes of bad luck, whether um, they just are not really good at business, or if something happens in their life medically, um, if something happens to a loved one, like an auto accident, you don't have a reason to say, oh, this is how the world is, you know, Mm -hmm. or a practical view of the world.
0: So I think some of our listeners would think, well, I'm sure, Mike, heard some of that language of now what that was the basis of my faith belief I'm sure he heard that when he was in the assembly of God but does he ever hear it surely he doesn't hear it with the Episcopalians but I think one of the things we're trying to be honest about is maybe he does hear it with the Episcopalians maybe I do hear it with the Presbyterians so have you and and what do you say to somebody Who then says that to you?
1: Yeah, I think the great parallel for that, of the why me, why is this happening? Yeah, is is a human response to when things don't go well.
0: Yeah,
1: um, and we're all human, and the other part is we're all immortal until yeah. we're not. Yeah, and that is a hard thing to cope with because yeah. it's difficult for us to think about our own demise or our own death. And it's even hard for Episcopal priests who have who has a urologist say your PSA is off the charts. It looks like you might have prostate cancer.
0: And Episcopal priest, just any, any Episcopal priest, yes, maybe any one whose one? Yeah. name rhymes with Reich, yeah, there, yeah, yeah. or something. <laughs> something Father like Reich, yes, yeah, something like yeah, that. Yeah, so. you had. Yeah. Did you feel in that moment? Yeah. You share whatever you feel comfortable sharing, okay. but when you got that diagnosis, yeah. Did any of your feelings surprise right. you?
1: Well, I did the Elizabeth Kubler-Ross thing. Okay. The the disbelief. The, yes, yeah. you okay. did
0: the stages of grief. I yeah. did.
1: I did, and I found myself doing that, and even I put off going back to the urologist. Good, good, yes, yeah. Yes, because that would take care of it, because this truly can't be true of me. Yeah. However, the place I didn't, um, what I did not do is I did not... Have to go through that part of faith of saying, "Is God punishing me? Why is this happening?" Um, because I had sort of already worked away from that part of magical thinking mm-hmm. that somehow I would be rewarded for being good, mm-hmm. or God would punish me if I had some unknown mm-hmm. sin. Mm-hmm. Um, so I never did go through that at all. Mm-hmm. That it was just the bad roll of the dice that mm-hmm. that cancer started working in the prostate which happens to men. Mine just happened to happen earlier. And it was truly, uh, I saw God's hand in it. Uh, Mm -hmm. In that, um, at that point, you were supposed to be 55 when you took your first PSA test. I was 50 and my doctor said, let's just do this so we can get a baseline. And so at 51 years old, I was four years ahead of what I should have had that initial test. So that's mm-hmm. where I just said, well, oh, that was a grace I received mm-hmm. by going for regular medical treatments mm-hmm. and having mm-hmm. a smart doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, and having, in the other part, having really good insurance yeah. that paid for all of these tests. And yeah. so I know I'm a beneficiary of having the Cadillac of insurance mm-hmm. because I'm an Episcopal priest and they say that's important. Um, but then it probably saved me from the cancer spreading outside the prostate yeah so, so those, you
0: um, had worked through uh as you said and as you put it you had worked through some of that um you know every single thing that happens in my life must be either a discipl- disciplinary action right. from god or must be, you know must be sure you had worked through that but when you are working with someone who does say something like that to you well if i would just pray harder, mm-hmm. or I, it comes out in so many ways, doesn't it? Yeah. With such language. Uh, if I, I just feel like if, if I prayed harder, if I was more faithful, if I read my Bible more, if I had a deeper faith. Some of these phrases come out when people find themselves ill. Yes. Or the divorce or the, you know, whatever. So what do you say to them mm-hmm. when they have not had reason to do that work yet yeah. or or have not gotten there?
1: yeah normally you do a lot of listening you yeah know, and really you know 90 percent of pastoral care is just showing up yeah it's just being. There i hope so mike it is because i don't have <laughs> i hope magic so words. exactly truth <laughs> know, telling right, right here on. that's what it is you're just there you're there to journey with them yeah and not to judge them yeah you're just there to be able to listen and hear and when you do hear some, whether it's magical thinking, you know, yeah. God will magically make me better, or yeah. if I'm the reason that this happened, God's punishing me. Those are all magical types of thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, then then I think our job is to, to begin to, to offer in maybe a way for them to think of it in a new way, mm-hmm. uh, a, maybe a healthier faith perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes what will happen is... Uh, I will just identify the situation, no matter what it is, whether it's a relationship breaking up, whether it's a health problem, a loss of a job, or whatever, I'll say this sounds a lot like the Garden of Gethsemane, that really difficult time in Jesus' life when he didn't know what was going to happen, mm-hmm. things could go either way, um, the heaviest weight was upon him. Mm-hmm. And they begin to find themselves in the story of Jesus in that, mm-hmm. and that part of, of how how prayer might fit in is when Jesus has the disciples go off. Um, you know, let's pray. Mm-hmm. And Jesus says, um, if it is possible, take this cup away. And then he goes back, checks on the disciples. They're asleep. Uh,
0: of course, yeah.
1: And then he goes back and he prays again. And he says, if it is not possible, mm-hmm. then your will be done. Mm-hmm. And so that's Matthew's telling mm-hmm. of that Garden of Gethsemane. And the big thing is that Jesus was in that unknown time He prayed for the best thing he could think of. Mm -hmm. If it is possible, take this cup away. Yet not my will, but your will be done. And then on coming back to it after a time period, he could probably see the torches coming towards him. He knew there was no way out. And so he said, if it is not possible, then your will be done. And so that's sort of my model for um, pastoral care is to see where are they at? Are they praying for the very best thing they can Think of, mm. and I do encourage that because the you know things haven't come back yet yeah. from the doctor, or you don't quite know if that bill of divorcement is going to come to your house. Yeah. Um, but then, when the bill of divorce comes, or the bad news about cancer comes, then you pray in that more realistic way: "Not my will, but yours be done." And so then you offer yourself to what God will do to remain faithful.
0: That's, That's how a I really. That is a really great um it's a really great this sounds really crass but it's a really great set of steps yeah um and and the and the framework of the garden of gethsemane with it uh i hate to even say set of steps because it's not what i mean by it but that's really great because i do know when i have worked with people i i I sometimes feel like i don't want to be the negative nelly yeah um but i I don't really believe in magical thinking. You know, I I don't want to be the person who came in and acted like Mm -hmm. uh, or gave any. I don't want to give, quote unquote, false hope of, well, you're right. If you would just pray differently, this (laughs) would change. I don't want to at all even give off that vibe. But on the other hand, I don't want to just come in and go, well, thy will be done. I mean, you know, that's not what they necessarily (laughs) need to hear. So that is a really helpful way to think about it. For ourselves and also for dealing with someone we care about, pray for the best. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Like there is nothing wrong yeah. with praying for the best. And there is also then nothing wrong with saying, your yeah. will be done.
1: Yeah. And that's the way both of those prayers yeah. do finish with, not my will, but thy will. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. That's, that's a that's... little more how I handle the. When, when evil breaks in, when the unknown breaks in,
0: that's how I handle it. Exactly. Okay, so I have a question for okay. you. Um, when we think about, um, as I think about folks who, um, and I like to read people whose lives are like this. I don't know if you've ever read any Thomas Lynch, and he's this funeral director who's also a poet. And and he talks about how, and of course it was the family business, and so he talks about how he, oh, he had to grow up and live a life and still does live a life kind of at that intersection of it's the worst day of someone's life. Mm-hmm. And it's also just your Wednesday. Yes. Um, and, and so folks who that is their job, yeah. um, it I am walking in and it's the worst day of their life. Mm-hmm. It also kind of can't be my worst day of my life, right. but yet I'm here in it with you. Um, and I've been thinking about for folks who do that kind of work, and you've done it now many, many, many years. Sorry to put that last many on it, but not to make you feel old, but uh, you've done it many years. Are there things you feel like you could only learn because you were there with people in the worst? I mean, are there things we can only learn in the hard times? That's a tough question. But I mean, are there things we can only learn When everything's gone.
1: Yeah, I think that that is one of the just the principles of maturity is that those difficulties are not there to punish us. But when we respond well or in a healthy way, Mm -hmm. we're not trying to change the outcome. We're trying to grow and learn and be a better person on the other side. And so, yeah, I, I definitely I'm I'm not to the point where anytime I hit a, a bump in the road, it's like,
0: wow, this is a great this growth is great. opportunity. Yeah, <laughs> I'm loving this. Yes, yeah. exactly. Well, and I think that's an that's kind of why I wanted to bring this up in mm-hmm. this top ta- in this format because I feel like it is something that really can only have eye language around it. Yeah. Uh, it would not be appropriate to go to someone, you know, on their worst day or. Or a week after their worst day and go, Aren't you learning a lot though? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean <laughs> that's that's, about two years after. Yeah. yeah. I mean, what, that's what not that appropriate, yeah. but but to use eye language and say, you know, do I feel like mm-hmm. there is something to be learned there? Yeah. Um and I I think we don't talk about that enough right. because we don't want to put that on someone else. Yeah. Um but 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 are there things to be learned? Uh, in the tough times
1: yeah Yeah, I think faith is only faith is only really understood as you look back over your shoulder and it takes reflection on the things that have happened and then the space of time Hmm. so faith is done looking over your shoulder
0: that's interesting and then it
1: gives you a little better hope moving into the future that you'll be able to handle the next time faithfully and so um, I think probably, you know, reflective people, I think, Mm -hmm. are maybe the the deepest because they've understood the things they've been through, good or bad, Mm -hmm. and they've they've learned from each side because Mm -hmm. some of the greatest joys of my life um, have come out of faithfulness. And I celebrate that, that I didn't have to go through terrible things. Yeah. Um, And so uh, I don't credit myself. It's just that, oh, this is how faithfulness sometimes works out. Um, And so... I think it's a both. It's a both hand.
0: Yeah, it's very interesting, Mike. Uh, what do you wish I'd asked you? Anything you I, wish I, I I'd want to asked? Talk
1: more about the. I want to talk more about the, the old Pentecostal memories. Of, oh yes, yes, yes. Tell, of the book. Wait, are you I'm really allowed? Are you
0: allowed to? Uh, yeah. Are you allowed to share Pentecostal memories?
1: Yes. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay. Definitely. Share a couple okay. with us. Yes. Um, uh, the. The. Gosh, I'm trying to think of maybe a good story that I would pull out. Um, I, I, I went to seminary when the Jimmy Swaggart oh, yeah. and the Jim Baker breakup was going on. That was two def- different lines of the same denomination. Of the old line, Pentecostal, Jimmy Swaggart, um, holiness, you uh-huh. know, never commit a sin, and get yourself out of any trouble by repenting. And then the Jim Baker, if you just believe God wants to bless you,
0: Okay, I didn't realize they were sort of the same line. Same I mean, okay, okay. Yeah, okay.
1: and they were mean to each other and <laughs> called private investigators on each other. Oh my yes.
0: god. Yes,
1: and even when Mr. Swagger, Reverend Swagger got caught in the motel room with mm-hmm. the prostitute, it was another assembly of God minister who hired a private detective told him he was there and uh, at that point then that minister said, "Let the air out of his tires and take pictures."
0: Yes, it was oh, that kind of stuff that's God. going on.
1: And that's that's sort of the that's that is part of the greed and of the power that began to be accumulated in that theological yeah. uh, world. And then you see it now as the televangelists, uh, mm-hmm. and they're driving, you know, their their Bentleys and they're oh yeah flying their jets and it becomes about accumulation. Yeah. And so you saw that very early on that this line of theology opens the doors for the really the worst part of our humanity Mm -hmm. and it gets so far away I I think that the idea of being blessed that God is blessing you which which means you're getting the good stuff
0: yes and and that's oh yes and that's that's freighted right I mean that has a lot of baggage on it this idea of Hashtag blessed kind of thing. Yeah, oh yeah. What's yeah. it mean if you're blessed? Yes.
1: What does it mean? Yeah. Um according to Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> to it be, doesn't look be, like any kind no, of blessing I yeah, want to sign up for, real
0: frankly. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> um to be blessed. In we're gonna talk Beatitudes. about the we're actually yeah. talking about the Beatitudes uh, okay. next week well this okay. anyway soon here at this church. Yeah. And uh I mean blessed are those who grieve or who mourn. Yes, exactly. Blessed are blessed those are who are poor. persecuted. Yes. For my name's yes. sake, blessed are you when people revile you yes. and say they have. I mean, I'm not signing up, no, Mike. No. You know, and, and that's Jesus. That's Jesus. That is not some side yes. text that we can act like, well, maybe it's yeah. Ezra chapter 2 that right. I could maybe glide over. This is Jesus. Yes. Yeah, so, what I, does it mean to be blessed? What
1: is it? I, in that context, it's, there's a Jewish understanding. Of, oh my gosh! The word, uh, the Greek word, "makarios," mm-hmm. um, yes. is is a word that would be used um, for the fullness of life. It's kind of like what you'd get at the Oscars when you get the Lifetime Achievement Award. Yeah. So blessed is actually a word of you've come to the fullness of mm-hmm. living a life mm-hmm. of those who are always reliant on God. For all that they have, that's the lesser of the poor. Yeah. Um, for those who show mercy, what does it look like to have a life of mercy? Well, you're given mercy, mm-hmm. um, you receive it better. Um, all of those things are about living a whole life, and you are being congratulated. Congratulations, you have lived this Jesus life, mm-hmm. this blessed life. Um, and it's not about material wealth in any way Mm -hmm. Um, it is about faithfulness of life, faithfulness of our beliefs, faithfulness of the way that our beliefs affect our life Um, and so those things, you know, but you can see that they're playing with them because Luke, Luke says blessed are the blessed are the poor
0: i know and, and then matthew, matthew says the poor, in the poor in spirit i know
1: so so yeah. they play a lot with that so the the term blessed i mean you go back to scripture and you see that they're playing with it a lot uh what's his name uh, robert shuler when he wrote his, his little famous book um the be happy attitudes instead of uh-huh. the attitudes you know but it was that there was that power of positive thinking that, that yeah. he lived out in the crystal cathedral and you see that that idea of wealth and growth and material blessing it all explodes and his children are fighting and it's now I think it's now a diocesan office for the Roman Catholic Church, the Mm Christian Cathedral. Yeah, Um, because it all went apart and the children started fighting. Um, And so he's not blessed. That's the blessed life is the life where you've lived it well and you Mm -hmm. see that in the generations Mm -hmm. to come. And that's really what that prayer of Jabez is all about, Mm -hmm. Um, which is really funny because um, if you take it out of its context, it's one little verse, you know, expand my borders and all this stuff. Um, but what that is about is right in the middle of a genealogy. And so that is about being faithful for generations to come um, and, that, uh, and really about being a part of a community, being a part of a nation that's in covenant. Um, it's, it's not about an individual getting stuff at all. It's, you think? No, it's a generational <laughs> a generation upon generation, you know, yeah. that idea of. Of your children will be blessed or cursed for you know four to the fifth generation yeah that our decisions today and our values today affect generations to come yeah so it is way apart from prosperity gospel
0: i'm so glad i asked you to do this (laughs) and i'm so glad you said yes and i'm sure that our listeners are so glad you said yes Thank you, You Father Logger. Thank you so much. Um, And we wish you the best. Okay, Uh, you you aren't you aren't gone yet, but we do wish you the best as you return to the Midwest.
1: Thank you. Thanks, Mike. Thank you.
0: Peace out, everybody. See you next week. Thanks for visiting the One Pod. If you enjoy the podcast, share us with a friend.